Principal Matters Podcast, episode 177. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're going to be talking about cha-chas for learning with my special guest, Leanne Nicholson. Leanne Nicholson is the founder and CEO of Maximize Learning and author of 14 practical books for educators. She provides a wealth of information to school districts in active, fun, targeted professional development. She's a former teacher of the year and she's worked with teachers and school leaders in more than 450 schools in over 49 states. Leanne is an expert coach helping teachers incorporate best practices into their daily lesson plans and within their classrooms. Her newest book is Teaching with the Instructional Cha-Chas, Four Steps to Making learning stick. Leanne, what a pleasure to have you. Please fill in the gap on that intro and tell listeners something they may be surprised to know about you. Well, thank you for inviting me, Will. I feel very honored to be on your podcast. I love learning. I love teaching. I'm passionate about helping all kids get it together. But something that might surprise everybody, I actually like to ski. I'm not the biggest risk taker when it comes to athleticism, (laughs) but um, I do enjoy skiing with my family. I love reading. And I guess you can say if I ever get some spare moments here and there, I love hot tea and I love petting my dog, Bella. So I'm also a mother of twins and the twins are juniors in college. So when they come home, I love to drop everything and just ask them a million questions about how life is going. I don't know how much they appreciate all my questions, but I get very excited when my kids get to come back home. Oh, that makes me excited just to hear you talk about them, Leanne. And I did not know that we both have dogs named Bella. So that's something we have in common. Well, Principal Matters listeners, just to set some context, I have known Leanne for several years because of some work that we've both done. I met you in Atlanta several years ago at a conference that we were both at. And this past year, I had the opportunity to see you present on your new book. And uh, Leanne and I are both Solution Tree authors. And so it was so exciting, Leanne, to sit in the room and just learn from you. And so I'm so excited to give Principal Matters an opportunity (laughs) to hear your content too, because I talk to a lot of school leaders who want to provide better instructional coaching to their teachers. And that is your jam. Talk to us a little bit about how cha-chas, which is your way of, of capturing the ideas of important learning. How can school leaders use these steps to better understand how to make learning stick? Okay, well, first and foremost, I want to explain what the cha-cha stand for. I've been a lot of workshops as a teacher for brain research, cognitive science. In fact, um, Dr. Eric Jensen's been a big mentor of mine throughout the years. I went to a lot of workshops on formative assessment process. I love Brookhart, Dylan William, you know, John Hattie's research that supports the formative assessment process. And I went to a whole bunch of workshops on different instruction. As a classroom teacher, that was overwhelming. And very few of those concepts brought them all together for me. So as a teacher, I wanted to do them all. And I thought, how do I do them all and do them well in every single lesson? So I started teaching in this way that one day dawned on me, it's called Chunk to Check Change. And I'm not the only teacher that has figured this out. But when you start planning in a Chunk to Check Change way, and you start teaching that way, 
well, according to the research, you can possibly double the speed of learning in your classroom, Mm -hmm. which um, I found is sometimes triple the speed of learning in my classroom. So in other words, if uh, I had some students that were about a year behind, I could get them caught up in one school year. There were some kids who had reading levels three years behind. And by using the chunk to check change method or process, I was able to get them caught up. Um, sometimes they did it collectively with a whole bunch of teachers. And we know through John Hattie's research that collective teacher efficacy could give you almost three years of growth uh, with student achievement. And I'd like to stand here and we'll sit here and tell you that that is true. When we teach in a chunk to check change way every single day, and it's a cycle, it's a way of thinking, we can truly double, if not triple the speed of learning in our classrooms. It's not just research, it's action research in some of the toughest schools across the nation. So I taught in some high poverty situations and found that those are the schools that tend to have some students that are behind the most. Mm. Um, Stressors, chronic stress, all of those um, impact the brain, they impact learning, and they unfortunately can hurt student achievement. And so um, what I like to say is when I bring Chung Chu Check Change into the highest poverty schools where we have the most vulnerable students, it's it's like a miracle maker. Mm-hmm. It, it really is working. And so I coach teachers now through the process. So first and foremost, I like to give them the big picture of Chung Chu Check Change and tell them how the big picture affects students. Mm-hmm. And then I give them a small chunk of information while I'm at their school. They chew it with me. I give them feedback. Then they continue the chewing with a little plan that I help them design. And then I come back and through learning walks, check it in a fun, engaging, positive way. All the teachers check it, not just me. We check to see how the goal is doing. And then we might need to change our instruction and respond and change the plan even. Mm -hmm. And so that's how coaching blends with the instructional cycle of Chunk 2 Check Change. That's fantastic, Leanne. And I'm so excited because I, Principal Matters listeners, I hope that you're ready to do some learning today because I'm going to ask Leanne to kind of walk us through each of those areas with some examples. But before we do that, Leanne, I know that you also have talked to me about the importance of first understanding the background work that needs to happen before you jump into these cycles. And so let's go there first, because I know it's important, especially for school leaders to think about what needs to be in place first. What are the foundations that need to be in place before they start trying to introduce these kinds of cycles? Absolutely. There is this uh, lesson plan template And I think it's on my website. And if not, I'll make sure to post it or anybody can email me for this lesson plan template. And I have the criteria for success for this lesson plan template that brings all the research methods together. But one of the top things on this lesson plan template is a little box that I call alignment box. You know, if teachers aren't teaching what they're supposed to be teaching, I don't care how much you chunk to check change, you will not see the high student achievement according to the state, right? I mean, we do have these state tests that help us to see how the kids are doing with the standards. So often I'll walk into classrooms. And by the way, I was guilty of this too every now and then as a teacher. My principal gave me feedback sometimes. Hey, Leanne, great lesson. You engage the kids. But what does that learning target that you have posted on that board have to do with that standard over there? And so I'm gulping as I say this because I was totally guilty of doing this, unaware, not even realizing that what I was teaching truly was not helping some of my students get to the standard. It was a great lesson. 
And so the first thing I do when I do the workshop is let them know, hey, you can chunk to check change all you want, but we've got to make sure alignment happens first. And alignment is, here's my big standard. I have all these standards in a beautiful thematic unit that's you know great for the brain. And then each standard has a several learning targets. I call it a learning target progression. In order for students to get it to got it, which is that big, big, big standard, we're going to take these baby steps and we're going to break down our units into smaller daily lesson plans. And I show teachers how to create learning targets. So when you have a small little focus that day and a kid who's stressed out can actually say, hey, I might be able to achieve this goal called a learning target. So you can post standards all you want in the classroom, but they're just going to overwhelm the students. Quite frankly, they overwhelm the teachers as well. So um, alignment is here's a big standard. Here are a whole bunch of learning targets, baby steps that will help the students get to the big standard. We also have to make sure that daily formatives help the kids get to the big standard. So sometimes what we ask our kids to do will not truly help them get to that learning target which means that they won't truly get to that standard. So alignment is all about the standard, the learning target, the main formative assessment that we're using in that lesson, and the details about that formative, which I call and many people call the criteria for success. All of those things have to be aligned. Sometimes I spend a whole year just working on this foundation Will, if we aren't teaching what we're supposed to be teaching, chunk to check change will not bring about the results that we need to see in our schools. So that's the mm-hmm. foundation. Yeah. And that's so good, Leanne, because Principal Matters listeners, you may be in a place where you already have a strong understanding of what your curriculum maps are, where you're going with targeted standards. You may have vertical teaming happening. All these things may be happening in your school, or you may not be. You may be in a place where teachers are teaching without a map, without a direction of where this should be going, or without understanding what those specific target standard areas are. So I'm so glad you covered that first, Leanne, because you can teach, you can chunk it, chew it, check it, and and change it, but, but not if you're missing your target. And so we don't want to create cycles of learning for things that aren't essential. And so I think that's so important that you go there first, Leanne, which is making sure that you understand what's essential before you teach it. And then once you've created that foundation, then you have meaningful learning happening, which is which excites me because I've seen you model these things uh, for teachers and leaders too. And so let's talk about what that looks like when you think about the process of learning. And this is the thing that I think is so great about cha-chas is you take what is often um, happening in a classroom. And, and you and I both know, when you see a magic teacher, you know that they are both great at the processes and procedures that they've adapted as well as the creativity that they infuse into their lessons. But there's a cycle that's happening there. And if you break it down into, scientifically break it down, there's some specific things that are happening at the beginning, the middle, and the end of those of those learning cycles. So let's go there first, Leanne. We'll help educators understand and educational leaders understand what that cycle looks like and how you break it into parts. So after we have our unit designed, you might even use understanding by design to help with that alignment piece. We're going to look at each little bitty learning target. We're going to make a daily lesson plan out of it. And that's where the magic does happen. We've got to teach it so well, Will, that our students are on the journey of saying, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And then eventually they can say, I got it. So I like to start off with a strong learning target. And I like to phrase it with an I can statement. You know, I can summarize chapter one 
one. I can analyze this chapter, whatever it might be. Those I can statements are so important. So um, in the instructional cha-cha book, there is a whole section about how to write an excellent learning target that raises the rigor of that entire lesson. And even down to the verb that we use, um, but also what is it that's going to give us the proof? So it's a planning process, but it starts with the goal. What is the goal for that one day lesson plan? And I call it the learning target. So then we take this learning target and we got to break it down into smaller sections. I mean, that's a co- there's a copious amount of content out there that we're teaching in all classrooms, especially grades three and above. High school teachers have to feel overwhelmed with all the amount of content they believe they have to teach, but pouring it into brain won't work. We already know that. And we know that the brain can only pay attention to um, content for so long. Attention spans change throughout the day. Uh, wow, our blood sugar changes throughout the day. Even dehydration affects how much we can actually pay attention. So I really show teachers how to take the copious amount of content and break it into smaller little chunks of similar um, coherent content. And so we give our kids a small little chunk and we don't exceed the amount of time that brain can process. It's different for all grade levels, but the max amount is about 14, 15 minutes. I've even heard people say 10 minutes. There's so much research out there. It truly depends on the time of the day, the state of mind that that child is in at that moment in time. And we've got to just watch our learners. We've got to watch them and say, you know what? They're about tuning out. So we teach a small chunk of information and then We leave a break and we let them chew it. Chewing is then processing. There are teachers out there who believe, hey, the more chunks I throw at my students, the better they will learn it. But actually, that's not true. Um, Learning comes in the processing of the content, um, interacting with the content and with other people. And I call that the chew. So anytime the students are chewing, that's where learning occurs. Hey, they're chewing my chunk though. I didn't waste my time. (laughs) I took that chunk and made it so it's easy for them to understand. I made connections. I got buy-in, which is so important for them to stay with me and want to learn it. Buy-in is the key ingredient for intrinsic motivation. If they have not even bought into my first chunk, I can forget about them chewing it. So that chunk, I go um, deeply into brain research and the top memory tools. And what is it How can I teach that chunk so my kids are engaged in it and take it to the next step called chew it? The top memory tools, I believe, that have to be part of that chunk. We need to make sure that there's relevance, that we're connecting it to the kids' real world. That means we got to know our kids. We have to know what they're listening to, watching, what's important to them. So you've got to make that chunk, that content, as relevant as possible to those students and as real world as possible. I also like to make the chunk engaging by having the kids act out some of the vocabulary words or even act out scenes from some of the plays. We can act out processes in science, you know, become (laughs) the different molecules in a solid, liquid, and gas. Another one is every single time kids are retrieving that content or chewing that content, they're remembering it. And I'll never forget one time when one of my mentors said, great lesson, Leanne. Uh, Five kids learned it really well. In other words, I called on five kids. Five hands went up in the air. That's not good enough. All kids have to retrieve the content in the classroom. So that was an eye-opener as far as the type of statement that person said to me, a coach of mine. And I never taught the same after that. All kids should retrieve as often as possible those little chunks of information that we taught them. So I call it chunk two, chunk two. And they might be little bitty chews. 
And little bitty twos can have a high impact. So it goes, they go together. It's really hard to separate this process sometimes, Will. Mm -hmm. But after a small chunk, we give them a chew. And the chew needs to be high impact. How do we know if it's high impact? Well, we look at the research from Marzano, John Hattie, and a host of other researchers that have said, hey, um, when we ask kids to write to learn, there can be an impact of over 1.00. We can have an effect size of over 1.00. If anything has an effect size over 1.00, you could get two years of growth in one. Writing does that. Um, Comparing and contrasting can do that. Um, jigsaws, having kids share some of the content. So those are some of my favorite shoes. I love Socratic seminars as well. I'm so glad you said all of those things. And I know that when you're speaking to leaders that are leading elementary schools, they see this so naturally happening in strong elementary settings. And then as you move up, often in the middle and high school, unfortunately, sometimes you see teachers forgetting the power of all of this same engagement that needs to happen, no matter what the the grade level is. So Principal Matters listeners, let me just pause for just a moment and ask you to imagine a classroom, whether that's a pre-K classroom or whether that's middle school science or whether that's high school language arts. This works in all of those settings because that content, that standard, that target that you're trying to to learn is important. But how do you chunk it? You make it small enough and biteable enough that students can be engaged for 10 to 15 minutes of concentrated, focused effort. But you do that in a way that's highly engaging, whether that means using memory tools or connections or reteaching or the kids themselves acting things out. And so, Leanne, this just reminds me a lot of in my years of classroom teaching, I taught everything from AP language to summer school credit recovery. And what I discovered was, and I know you have too, it doesn't matter if it's high achieving kids or kids who struggle academically. If you don't break it up and make it chunk it and give them an opportunity to chew it and stay engaged, you lose your learners. And so, so where do you want to go from there? Because I know that once they've had an opportunity to, to chew it, then how do you know they've actually learned it? Yeah. And that's the only way we're going to have to check each chew. Now we have little bitty chews such as turn and talk. Um, We have little bitty chews such as dry erase boards. And then we have some main chews such as a a bigger piece of writing where we're, we've analyzed a text and we bring it all together through a synthesis. The students will have a piece of writing. So there are oh so many chews, thousands of chews. And by the way, this is where I want to bring in the word differentiating instruction. We're differentiating in every one of these steps. Well, So for example, in the chunk it, I might even differentiate how they learn it based on the learners that I have. I might even pull a small group during chunk it, pre-teach my EL students because they need a few words pre-taught to them so that they can participate in the science lab. In the chew it, I might have this half of the room chew it this way um, because I know that's the type of chew they need at that moment in time. And I might have, you know, this group of four or five chew it this way. So the beauty behind chunk chew check changes, I can differentiate throughout all the steps, even the amount of time I spend on it. So that's that chunk, that's that chew, and we're going to have to check every single chew. That's why I believe every chew should be called a formative. Some people might disagree with me, but I believe that every single time I pause and let my students chew it, that I'm giving them a chance to inform me, the teacher, how is it going? 
how's the digestion going of the, I'm going to say, of the learning? Are they chewing it? Are they swallowing? I hope they're not choking on it, right? So after that chunk, they're chewing it. I might even give different chews out during that time. And then I'm going to go in and check for understanding. And this is where it's very important that we're checking every single student. By the way, I believe in the four E's, examine evidence every day from every single student. And that's, that's what I believe has to happen across classrooms. I actually believe it's a huge equity factor, Well, um, because if we're not checking every single kid and every single kid's work towards the learning target and where they are, then we're truly not responding to every single kid. And some kids can fall through the cracks. So I, I state the four E's, examine evidence every day with every single student, and I do believe it is a piece of equity. Mm. And when we're examining evidence from every single kid, we're going to have to decide in our heads, what do I do next? Where to next? And John Hattie in his research even says, wow, it's the teacher who says that shoe is feedback to me, the classroom teacher, on the quality of my instruction, quite frankly. Mm. If the majority of my classroom is not chewing it well, I did something wrong and I need to respond. I need to make sure that learning is visible so that I can respond and do something differently. By the way, that checking and change it, they go hand in hand and it splits seconds in my head. And if I'm a tired teacher, I'm going to have a really hard time responding to change it. I'm going to check in and say, I don't have a clue what to do right now. And sometimes it is best to wait to the next day. I feel that one of the reasons we're not getting the results that we need and why so many schools are struggling with achievement is we're checking, but we're not taking the time to change it. Mm -hmm. And there are thousands of ways to change our instruction. It is the heart of differentiated instruction. Um, although I want to reemphasize that differentiated instruction can happen in the chunk to check, but in the change, that is the heart of differentiated instruction. And we have to respond fast, according to the research, according to brain research. We don't want kids practicing something incorrectly. Perfect practice, if we practice it perfectly, that's what's cementing in our head. We do not want kids practicing something incorrectly because it gets cemented in the brain. I mean, we still can unteach that if that's a word, but um, we want to make we want to be as proactive as we possibly can. So here are some of my ways, my favorite ways to change instruction. I might change my pace at that moment in time. I might change pulling a small group of students over to the side and say, you get to read this with me. Um, I might change it by differentiating which text mark they might use while they're reading and documenting their metacognition while they're reading. I might change my instruction by spiraling it back in a couple of days later. I might change my instruction by giving verbal feedback. I've got in my book, I have the three power, power steps by Dylan Willingham of how to give verbal feedback to close gaps faster. By the way, it works. Mm. Oh boy, does it work. I practiced it as a teacher until I really perfected that third step in feedback. But one of my all-time favorite ways to respond, especially to my students who are behind, is to reteaching. And in the book, I do have several pages of how to reteach powerfully. By the way, it was my December newsletter that went out to all my followers. It will be posted on my website in January. But if we don't reteach well, we're going to be reteaching a lot. Mm -hmm. And I call it kind of that power reteaching. How do we reteach so they get it to got it? So those are some of my favorite ways to respond. Some are right there in the moment in time. And those are the most powerful ones. But there are some kids where I cannot respond right there in the moment in time and they'll get it. Mm 
They need me a little bit more. And I call that that reteach and giving it to them differently. Reteach is not giving it to them louder (laughs) and slower. It's giving it to them really in the same way, a smaller chunk. I give them a chew. I check it and I change, but I do it in a smaller group and I give them exactly what they need based on their error. So, wow, this is a short, sweet little way to say chunk it, chew it, check it, change it, done several times in one lesson Mm -hmm. is really going to help you prevent gaps and close your gaps. And truly, according to John Hattie's research and even Dylan Williams' research and a whole host of others, it can double the speed of learning. And all of our schools need the doubling the speed of learning. Wow. Well, Leanne Nicholson, that those are some fantastic takeaways. And so school leaders, let me just pause for just a moment because I I want to state the obvious. And that is that whether you are a five-year-old or you are a 51-year-old like I am, reflection (laughs) and learning never, ever stop. And so, Liam, what I really appreciate about your teaching is not only just the endless numbers of resources and ideas that you have through your book and through your presentations, but also just the simplicity of taking something that can be so so difficult because teaching is not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it well, but it's a learned craft. It is, it's something you master over time. But leaders, think for just a moment about your, your own learning. Think about the ways that you learn. When you learn something well, whether that's in your own school leadership or maybe it's it's an instructional coach yourself, or maybe you're leading staff development now, these things work there too. So taking those concepts, those ideas of things that you want others to learn and breaking them first into those targeted areas and then making those small and biteable, and then giving people opportunities to interact with that content so that they can really understand it and reflect on it themselves, not just you delivering it, but them owning it. And then making sure that you know how much they know. So providing opportunities for them to give you feedback on what they've learned, what they're thinking, hearing their own words, explaining those, and making sure you're getting engagement from everyone, not just a few. And then Mm -hmm. based on that reflection, change. Figure out what do I need to do next or different or moving forward so that I have a stronger understanding and they have a stronger understanding of what's next. And so I know that in, in the principal world, we often watch teachers doing these things. And sometimes we have the privilege of coaching teachers as they improve in these actions. And then sometimes we're the ones providing the instruction, whether you're still in a classroom or whether you're providing that instruction because you're responsible now for the professional growth of your teachers. And so I just will highly recommend checking out Leanne's book, pick up a copy so that you can grow in your own understanding of the power of effective teaching, but also so that you can be a stronger instructional leader and coach yourself. Well, Leanne, I want to give you an opportunity to tell listeners, how can they stay connected with you and your content? How can they subscribe for your updates? What are ways that they can find you? And then um, after you've shared that, what are some parting words that you'd like to leave with Principal Matters listeners? You can go to my website, it's www.maximizelearninginc.com. And there will be an opportunity for you to sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter, which I jam-pack it with wonderful information. And I make it so that principals can actually ask their teachers to read it. 
during their PLCs, during a faculty meeting. It's very rich. It's very deep. I put a lot of time and effort into the newsletters. And um, quite frankly, all the schools that I've worked with, they cannot wait to receive it each month. And they do use it during their PLCs. It's a learning opportunity. So I go a little bit deeper with some of the concepts that I've taught in the book. So I do highly recommend getting that newsletter every other month. And then uh, go to my website. I have articles. So I post all kinds of articles, again, that you can use for your own learning, but better yet, share it. Um, That's why I do it. It's a gift to all the schools that I work with. If they want to go deeper, I want to understand something at a whole different level. It's called an extension. So after my workshops, after my training or after my coaching, because I usually do sustained training, I help schools create a plan to help them prevent and close their gaps. Um, You'll even see some of my templates on my website too. So parting words, wow, I I guess what I really want to say is we've got to raise the urgency that all kids can get it to got it. And it's in the magic hands of our teachers. The teachers have to know how to instruct in a high impact way so that zero kids are falling through our cracks. And we know how to do this. It is working across the nation. It does take a while for some teachers to get on board and master that chunk and chew and check and change. And there are several steps to master in each little of those, I'm going to say sections or chunks or modules. But I know with a strong coach, um, I've coached teachers doing it. I've also empowered principals to coach their own teachers to take them through this process. When you're a strong instructional coach, It's unbelievable what you can do at a school. And so I really want to encourage principals to take the instructional cha-cha journey with their teachers, encourage them, do one chapter a month even. I have um, at the Solution Tree website, uh, we actually have a study guide that goes with the book. I know a lot of schools that have taken that journey. And by all means, reach out to me via email at leanne at MaximizeLearningInc.com. Please reach out to me and I will send you any follow-up tools, templates, newsletters that can help you take your teachers on this journey. Thank you so much for inviting me, Will. Oh, well, Leanne Nicholson, it's been my pleasure. And Principal Matters listeners, the book is Teaching with the Instructional Cha-Cha's Four Steps to Making Learning Stick. And you have just experienced the tip of the iceberg because as I've seen Leanne unpack this content in her presentations and through her resources and her books, it's, I'm not going to say it's never ending because that's hyperbole, but it is overflowing and in and and such deep, great resources. So Leanne, thank you so much for the time that you've taken to share. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for leading schools because what you do matters. And we'll talk to you soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.